Thank you for taking time to listen to this Redemption Church sermon. Redemption Church exists to make authentic disciples who live for the glory of God and the good of our world. We want to help everyday people wake up to a deep, meaningful life in Christ. We pray this sermon will help. For more information about Redemption Church and for additional resources, please visit redemptionokc.com. This morning we're going to be diving in and talking further about the resurrection. Easter is, like I said, my favorite gathering of the year, and so uh, this is a a key time for us, and Easter is a big deal because Easter changes everything. And so uh, today I want to start off talking kind of big picture about how Easter affects humanity in general, and then we're going to dial in and get a little more personal and talk individually. How does Easter impact you? How does the resurrection of Jesus affect your own personal life? So as we do that, uh, this past week, there was an image that many of you have probably seen that to me feels like a fitting metaphor for uh, our world and for humanity in this, uh, this last year. Any of you recognize that ship in the Suez Canal? Uh, stuck there blocking the entire thing. Um, and so uh, one guy said of this, he said, you know, we all make mistakes, but few of us make mistakes so big you can see them from outer space. Uh, this guy blocked the Suez Canal, hundreds of ships backed up for days, unable to go through the canal, uh, just piling up at the mouth of the canal out in the ocean. And uh, this guy, I'm assuming, did not have a good day uh, at work uh, that, that, that time. But here's the thing. Uh, any, of us feel, any of you feel like that's the way humanity has kind of operated in the last year? That we've just made a mess of things? And you look around and you think, man, I don't even know how we got ourselves in this kind of a place, but here we are, and I'm not sure exactly how to get out. Uh, The reality for us is that we human beings tend to make a really messy world. And in the fallenness and the brokenness world, and we have wreaked havoc in all kinds of different ways. And let me show you another slide that shows you what we look like trying to get out of the messes we create. And you'll see that back, that's the same ship. And that was the solution that we had to get that ship out of that Suez Canal. Uh, notice how little that thing is next to that ship. Any of you feel like your problems in life, like that's all you got to work with to try to get out? See, here's the thing about humanity, about the reality of our lives, that you can have a, a picture like that. We can kind of laugh about it. And at the end of the day, they were able to get the ship out. But um, the reality is we make messes of our lives all the time. And oftentimes, whenever we try to provide solutions to those human problems, we just make things worse. Uh, take the issue of race in our world. Uh, you go over thousands of years and you've seen the impact of races that have, uh, that have warred against one another. And in the last year, what we've seen is, as we've tried to navigate our way out of that problem, we actually just seem like we've made things worse. It doesn't seem like we have a good solution to get ourselves out of that problem. Take a pandemic. Um, we take something as awful as what's happened in the course of the world and all those solutions. What do we end up doing? We just end up fighting over the solutions. We can't agree on what ought to be done. Think economics. In a world where we have prospered more and more and there's incredible opportunity in our world, uh, we now are living in a place where masses of people are dealing with crippling debt that they can't find their way out of and they're angry and they're rebelling and revolting because of it. See, human beings, we tend to make messes and we try to get out of them. We don't have a good solution. Now, the thing for us as Christians is we actually have a good reason and an understanding for the dissonance that we feel in our world. 
See, the reality for me as I look at our world is in the midst of a year that's been as awful as this last year was, we still kept dreaming about a better world, didn't we? In the middle of a world, we, we kept dreaming that maybe one day there'll be a world where races won't enslave one another, where races can get along, where races won't fight. We kept dreaming of a world where families and community and friendship would be a reality for everyone. We kept dreaming of a world where we would have the, the resources that we need to make life work. We kept dreaming of a world where we're not gonna be crippled by a pandemic, but where we would have health and live to long life. And the reality for you and for me is that God has put these dreams and hopes and he's implanted them in our heart. And so they echo in our hearts, calling us to a better world. And so in the midst of all the messes, it's fascinating to me that when you look out across the landscape of our world, there's a people whose souls are still beating and dreaming about a better world to come. It's as though postcards have been sent from the future to us inviting us to a better, to a better day. And we as Christians understand that the dissonance we feel has a solution, it's called the resurrection that the resurrection of Jesus is what meets us at that place where the messes of the world um, are, are calling for a better world and a new day. And the resurrection of Jesus is what, uh, what our solution is to that. And here's the thing, the resurrection is not just a solution for the future, it's actually a solution for the discontent and the dissonance that we feel right now. But here's what I realized as, as I thought about this this week, is that many of us don't access all the blessings and all the goodness that the resurrection offers to us. And so we fall short and we don't, we don't enjoy the blessings that. In fact, it's important enough that Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 that everything hinges on the resurrection of Jesus. This is why we make Easter such a big deal because everything changes if there's a resurrection. Paul said this, 1 Corinthians 15 says, and if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile because you're still in your sins. And those who have fallen asleep and died in Christ, they've just perished. If Christ, if in Christ we only have hope for this life, then we are all people most to be pitied. And if we've rearranged our lives around this world only, and Jesus only offers us a little bit of hope for here and now, but not for a better world, if he can't bring us a better world, then he says, we might as well throw in the towel now. If there's no resurrection, then everything else is futile. If there is no resurrection, there's no hope for our discontent. If there's no resurrection, there's no forgiveness for our failures. If there's no resurrection, there's no fulfillment of those dreams that we all have for a better world. This is a central proposition of the Christian faith. The resurrection changes everything. Now, here's where I wanna ask you just to lean in a little bit. I wanna get a little personal. I want you to think about your own life and about your own day-to-day -day experience of of the world, but also your own day-to-day -day experience of the Christian life. Let me tell you why this is so important. For years, I've seen people who have ignored the ramifications and the blessings of the, of the resurrection for their own lives. Can I ask you a question? What does the resurrection mean for you? When you think about your, your own experience, how does the resurrection impacted your day-to-day -day living? Let me tell you a story. I've got a friend whose name is John. And John was a guy who grew up in the Bible Belt and uh, actually grew up here in town. And I've changed his name just to uh, protect his privacy. But uh, John, I think this story, his story captures the way a lot of us feel. He grew up in church. He knew the stories. He understood that, if he, that, that he was a sinner who needed to be saved and that Christ had come. And if he put his faith in Jesus, that he would be able to go to heaven. And he heard the message that if he simply trusted Jesus' death, that he would 
one day go to heaven. And so in that, he, he was told by a pastor that Jesus accepts you just as you are. All you have to do is believe in his death and then you can go to heaven. And so John did what they said. He, he walked an aisle, he checked the box that said, I believe when they told him what to pray, he repeated the words that they repeated for him. And he believed that one day I get, whenever I die, I'm good and I get to go to heaven. Now, here's the thing for John. Um, that was kind of where his faith journey began to stop. See, he had, he had been given an entry point. If you just believe in Jesus, you'll be saved. And he'd been given an exit point that if you, when you die, you're gonna go to heaven. But no one told him what life was like in between those two things. And no one told him what that experience ultimately was going to lead him towards. And so John was kind of left in the middle. And one day, uh, John, as he grew up and became a teenager, began to do what many people do. He began to have new experiences and new ideas and a new lifestyle. He began to explore different things that were contrary to the way of Jesus. I remember sitting down with John and saying, John, and you know what the Bible says about this? And you know what John said to me? He said, I understand what the Bible says. I just don't care. Because for him, he just didn't see how the relevance of all those things mattered if he'd already been saved and if he was already gonna go to heaven, then what did it matter what he did right now? What did it matter what the Bible said about his sexuality, about his investment, about his use of his life, about his career, about his family, about his marriage? Why did it matter about all those things if he was certain to one day go to heaven? And here's the problem with, with what John understood. Nothing he was told was a lie. Those things were all true. They just weren't everything. They just didn't tell him everything he needed to know to understand the benefits and the blessing and the goodness that he would have through Jesus and through his resurrection. Let me tell you another story. There's, uh, I think I could also talk about an empty nester couple who, man, they had served, they'd done everything well. They, for two decades, they'd given everything to their kids and they'd raised them up. They showed up at all the sporting events. They did all the school stuff. They made sure homework got undone, got on time. They got them sent off to college. They got their kids started in a career. And at some point they looked up and just said, man, surely I've paid my dues. It should be total me time. And so they just said, it's time for me to kind of step back and enjoy life a little bit. And see, they didn't understand anything about the call to serve the church, the call to be an ambassador for Christ in the city, the call to make a difference in our world because they didn't understand the ramifications of the resurrection for their lives. They just thought, well, if faith is, I get, I, I, I'd say a prayer and then I go to heaven when I die and that's all there is, then there was no reason, no compelling reason for them to live differently in the here and now. Take another one, a lady I know in our city that's a wife and a mother, she's a She's a real thinker. She's active in lots of groups in the city and, and serves all over the place. And as she intersects with our world, she's frustrated right now because she looks and she sees Christians that are angry about issues and they're spouting off hatred and all kinds of things. And she looks and she's asking the question, what does, what does that anger over that issue and the way in which you're treating others have to do with the savior, Jesus, who washed his disciples' feet uh, before he was betrayed and then went to the cross and then was resurrected and promises new life and forever life. And she's confused because she doesn't understand where it fits. And what she's saying is, does the resurrection have any effect on the here and now? So friends, the truth is we've done an awful job of teaching people the ramifications and the blessings and the goodness that we each have in, through the resurrection of Jesus. And so I want us to lean in and talk about that some today. So here's the reality. Most of us kind of have this image in our mind that we had to say a prayer to get saved because we didn't want to go to the bad place. We want to go to the good place. And so then we come over to uh, th this point and we believe that we're going to go away someday 
and we're going to become fat, chubby cartoon characters floating around on a cloud who happen to excel at the harp. Uh, by the way, that's not in the scriptures. Like, you don't ever see that. None of us become cartoons. None of us have to play the harp. Uh, life is actually much better than that. But if that's all there is, then we don't seem to understand what the ramifications of the resurrection are for today. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to look at a passage in Acts 2, and we're gonna talk about the hope that the resurrection offers to us, even in the here and now. In Acts 2, if you're uh, kind of new to this thing, it's early in the New Testament. So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Uh, and then chapter 2, we're gonna begin to look at that. We're gonna look in uh, verse 22. And this is actually the very first sermon that was preached after Jesus died, that we have recorded. It was preached by a guy named Peter. Now, if, if you have read through the Gospels, you'd understand that Peter is a guy who, uh, one, he's kind of a bold dude. He loves to proclaim strong truths and, and he makes really good claims. And he's one of Jesus' followers, a guy that Jesus called the rock at one time. But just before Jesus died, Jesus, Peter is the one who uh, Jesus invited to come to the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was knowing that he was about to go to the cross. And Jesus was agonizing at that moment. He said, Peter, would you pray for me? So Jesus goes off and prays. He comes back and what's Peter doing? And he's just sawing a log. He's snoring. They fall asleep. Jesus shakes him, wakes him up. He goes, Peter, dude, I'm about to die. I'm hurting here. I'm in agony. He's about to sweat drops of blood. Jesus is praying. He said, Peter, would you just pray for me? And Jesus goes away and he comes back and Peter's asleep again. So not once, but twice, Peter fell asleep on Jesus the night before Jesus died. And Jesus asking him to pray. Peter's also the one that Jesus said, uh, you're gonna deny me three times. And Peter said, no way, I will never do it. And a little girl, schoolgirl, comes to confronts Peter and says, you were with him. And Peter says, I don't even know him. A little later, Peter curses out loud and says, I don't even know that Jesus. And denies him three times before the rooster crows. It's that Peter. Peter, though, experienced grace. Um, God loved him and Jesus reached out and reinitiated a relationship with him and said, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Three times, one for every denial. And he brought him back and he said, then Peter, follow me. And so Jesus restored Peter and sent him out and called Peter to help lead his church. And so when Jesus had departed after Jesus' death, his resurrection, his ascension, Jesus had gone to sit at the right hand of the throne in, in heaven. Peter's there and Peter steps up in the gap and Peter's the one that brings this message, this courageous message to preach. And we're not gonna get to look at all of it today, but we're gonna start in verse 22. Peter says this, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, the man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified him and killed him by the hands of lawless men. But God raised him up, loosing the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. And I love this passage because I love what it says about Jesus. Not just about what Jesus did, but about who Jesus is. And the phrase that I want to just leap off the page that I want you to grab hold of today is, it was not possible for death to hold him down. Is that not an amazing statement? I mean, just say that with me. Say, say it's not possible for death to hold him down. If you hear one thing today, you need to know that truth. Jesus was so strong that it was impossible for death to hold him back. Now, here's what we see in these verses. First, it says that he was Jesus of Nazareth. This was a historic person. He had a name. He had a hometown. He lived within, uh, within the, the course of history. And 
in that it was verifiable by hundreds of witnesses. Now, not only that, it says that he was a man, but he, he was not just any man. He was a divine man who was attested to by many miracles. Now, why is it so important that Jesus performed these miracles? Well, there's really two reasons. One, it was gonna validate his claims that he was the son of God sent to be the rescuer of Messiah. And so the fact that Jesus did all these miraculous things, that he healed the blind, that he caused the lame to dance, that he raised the dead, he did these amazing things were to validate his claims about who he was, that he was the son of God sent to rescue and restore the world. Second reason why Jesus did these miraculous things was that it was, it was meant to demonstrate what God's kingdom will be like one day. He says, when I come back and I make all things new, it's gonna be a place where there is no more blindness, where there is no more deafness, where there is no more lameness, where there is no more sorrow, where there is no more hurt, but where everything is made right and where the poor have the good news preached to them. In fact, Jesus said, go and tell John the Baptist what you've seen and heard of my life. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. He's saying, look at my life. This is a fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy. Everything that God had said was gonna happen. Jesus says, I'm the rescuer, the restorer, the one who's gonna come and make it real and make it happen. So here in verse 23, it says Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Here's what's interesting to me about Peter. Peter and the disciples, they didn't originally understand what it was, why it was that Jesus had to die. See, they were looking for an earthly deliverance for the nation of Israel against the Romans. And so they were hoping for this political, military kind of leader to come in and free them from enslavement to the Romans. And in that, they didn't understand when Jesus started saying, I'm gonna die, they were like, wait a minute. Like, if you're gonna die, then how are you gonna deliver us from all these bad things? And they didn't understand what happened. In fact, on the road to Emmaus, Jesus encountered after he, after he had died, he, he came alongside some other guys and these two guys uh, were explaining to them what had happened during that period. And they said, we thought, this after Jesus died, we thought he was the one who, was, who had come to redeem us. But when he died, they thought, well, I guess, I guess he's not the one. And they began to lose hope. In fact, you saw with Jesus uh, that after Jesus had risen from the dead, he was no longer in the tomb. It said Mary Magdalene was so surprised, she sprinted and ran and went and told the disciples. And then I love the way John describes it because John says, then Peter and I ran from where we were to back to the tomb to go find him. And as they sprinted to do this, uh, John does what most guys do. Uh, John actually, so this is the seminal moment in all of human history. The most important thing that happens and John goes, hey, when Peter and I ran back to the tomb, I beat him there. Like I, I beat him to the tomb and somehow God allowed that to be in the scriptures and John wanted to make sure that was recorded for all human history. Hey, Jesus rose from the dead and I beat Peter when we run into the tomb. And so in that, uh, they ran to the tomb because they were surprised. They didn't understand what was to come. They, they didn't understand that Jesus was going to emerge victorious over sin and death. And so they were in despair but now, later, Jesus had, had appeared. He'd resurrected. He appeared between hundreds of people. He had conversations with them. He'd restored them. He'd poured to them. He explained to them all those things that he happened and all the breadcrumbs of teaching he had explained throughout his lifetime came, they, they came to fruition. They understood finally what it was. And so here, do you see Peter's confidence? He says he was delivered up according to the definite plan and the foreknowledge of God. He's not confused anymore. He understood what the resurrection was all about, that everything pointed this and that this was God's plan all along. In fact, um, Jesus uh, said this before he died. Back in John 10, Jesus said, I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up. This charge I have received from my father. 
And do you see the power in that? Jesus' death was not an accident. And his resurrection was not plan B. He didn't stumble into the cross and he didn't stumble and God didn't go, well, I guess I better resurrect him as kind of some alternate uh, reality. This was the plan that God had from the very beginning that he had orchestrated. And that's why when you get to verse 24, it said, God raised him up, loosing the pains of death because it was not possible for death to hold him down. Friends, this is good news. This is news we need to hear. God raised him up, loosing the pains of death. Pains are pains, it's birth pains. What it's saying is Jesus was, he, he, he was in this period of transition, being moved in a painful way into this place called death. And somehow God intercepted that and he stopped it. But Jesus fully died and it was painful. In fact, we don't know exactly all that Jesus experienced, but I would say it was more painful than anything any human has experienced. As Jesus himself went to the cross, this was an innocent man who was wrongly convicted. Uh, this was a man who, who was creator and yet was killed by his own creation. He's one who was one perfect, in perfect union with the Father and yet felt that he was forsaken by his heavenly Father. And as he suffered upon the cross and as he died and as he, as he bled and as his body gave out and as he gave out that last breath, and Jesus truly died. He was carried, his, his lifeless body was carried down off that cross and they carried him away with all the weight, the dead weight of his body. And that lifeless body was wrapped in burial clothes and it was buried in a tomb and a stone was rolled over the entrance of the tomb and, tomb and an army was stationed outside to make sure that no one came to steal him. And he was there for three days. And it was necessary, friends, that he truly died because without the shedding of blood, there could be no atonement of sin, which meant that your sins and my sins could never be forgiven if Jesus didn't truly die a sacrificial death. And he did, he died and was dead for three days. Oh, but then, but then, Death could not hold him down. That just as he was being ushered into that space called death, that he emerged out of it and the resurrection came. And I love the miracle that it says here that death could not hold him. And it was only after he was resurrected that, that Peter and the other disciples really understood the ultimate victory that he had. And when later Paul would proclaim uh, that, that he's victorious over sin and death because death could not hold him down. Friends, the resurrection changed everything because it didn't just tell us what Jesus did, it told us who Jesus was, who he is, and the one that we can trust. Death could not hold him down because he was the maker of all life. Death could not hold him down because he was altogether holy and good. Death could not hold him down because he was too strong to be defeated, because his work to redeem us was completed, because his father's love would not permit it, and because his future kingdom still needed a king. Death would not hold him down. And he rose victorious. This is a moment that when you think he just wants to spike a ball and call victory. And yet there's, there's a part of it that's not come to completion yet, is there? Because as much as it is certain after his resurrection, there's still sorrow and trouble in our world that needs to be restored. And so we wait. But here's what I want you to know. All of what Jesus accomplished, there's life, death, and resurrection is offered to each of us who will put our trust in him and who will rest in him as our savior and our Lord, our rescuer and king. So here's what I wanna do in the rest of our time. I wanna to explain to you some of what the resurrection means for you right now. And on your way out, you're gonna get a handout that looks like this. And I honestly didn't intend to do this this week when I started, but 
I got so excited that I just kept studying and I kept studying and I kept writing and kept writing. I was like, I just got to give you guys all this. And so there's all kinds of scripture on here for you to go back and study later. And honestly, this is what the church is for, is to be a resurrection community where you come along and we help one another figure out all the implications and all the goodness that God has given us through the resurrection of Jesus. And we spend the rest of our days exhausting, learning what it is to live under the blessing that God has given us through his son and through Christ. And so I just wanna read through this list with you. And I know it's too much, but I want you just to kind of feel the weight of it all and everything that God's given you and all the blessings that he's given you in the resurrection. And friends, let me ask you, what does the resurrection mean to you? Do you understand all that it means? Let's just look at a few things. Resurrection means that we have a new kingdom. We've been delivered from the domain of darkness and transferred the kingdom of his beloved son. We have transferred to a people for his name. We're adopted children of God. We're a chosen race, a holy nation. We're God's own people. We have a new kingdom because of the resurrection. Because of the resurrection, we have a new connection with God. We're made alive in his spirit, the scriptures say. We've been reconciled in relationship with God. We have access to God. We're the dwelling place of God. God's presence, the presence of God's spirit is in you. We are led by the spirit of God. We have solidarity and support from God because of the resurrection. You have a connection to God. Because of the resurrection, we have a new community. Scriptures say that we're fellow citizens with all the saints. We are unified as one people with no separation due to race, religion, uh, religious history of circumcision, uncircumcision, barbarian, royalty, slave, free, male, female, all are one in Christ. We are members of his body in the church. We're part of a new forever community. That We all stand on strong ground, on even ground. We have a new knowledge because of the resurrection. That we have wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. We have been granted all things needed for life and godliness. We have new assurance and confidence. We are partakers of the divine nature. We have new knowledge that's ours because of the resurrection. We have a new outlook. Scriptures say that we have a new life, that we're a new creation. We have a new hope. We have new peace. We have new joy because of Jesus' resurrection. We have a new purpose. Scriptures tell us that we have a new ability to obey we are, or we'll experience the ongoing transformation of our character. We have the ability to make a difference in our world. We have a new goal to bring him glory and honor. We have a new mission as ambassadors for Christ, reconciling others to him and proclaiming to him the goodness of all that he's done so that they might also be reconciled to Christ. We have a new future. We have a seal of security upon your future life. Your future is certain. Because of the resurrection, the seal the Spirit puts on you. You have a down payment guaranteeing your future reward. You have a glorious inheritance waiting for you according to God's riches. You, have a resurrect, you will have a resurrection body like Christ's. Well, you, are, you will be raised. And when you die now, if you die apart from, you, you're, uh, before he comes back, then your spirit will go to be with him in heaven. But one day, all the dead will be raised and your spirit will be reunited to his body and you will be flesh and blood again forever with a body incorruptible. And you will have a life forever with God in a realm where there is no more sin, sorrow, hardship, or death. You will not be a chubby cartoon character playing a harp on a cloud. You'll be a resurrected son of the king, reigning and ruling with him in the new heavens and the new earth. And in the new heavens and the earth, you will play, you'll feast, you'll laugh, you'll celebrate, you'll work, you'll create You'll uh, do more than that, living together with all the people you love, reigning with Christ, living fully and unreservedly in the love, goodness, power, beauty, and glory of God. Forever. 
All that is yours because of the resurrection. Friends, this is what the resurrection means for you and for me. What does the resurrection mean for you? Do you know all of that? Do you believe it? Does your day-to-day? See, if you understand this resurrection, that ought to change your Monday and your Tuesday and your Wednesday. If you understand this resurrection, that changes the way you look at your marriage and your parenting. If you understand the resurrection, it changes the way you look at your career. If you understand the resurrection, it changes what you do with your time. It changes what you do with your money. If you understand the resurrection, it changes what you do with your morality and your ethics. It changes everything about your life because you've received unlimited blessings from our Father, through the Son, by the Spirit. Friends, we have a Savior and King so powerful that death could not hold him in the ground. But many of us are living like it never happened. And we're not enjoying all the benefits. We're not appropriating all the riches. We're not, we're not, we're not taking in all the blessings that he offers to us and living in light of them. What that means is we're living like a beggar in a shack who has incredible, immense riches in a closet in the back that he never accesses and enjoys. Because Jesus wants more for you. Let's be those who don't miss out on the resurrection and the life that Jesus wants for us. And let's live in light of all of the goodness that he has and offers to us. Let me pray for us. Father, I do pray. And I thank you for your son. I thank you for your love for us, that in our weakness, we can be strong. Father, in the messes that we make, that your resurrection, the resurrection of your son speaks into those. Father, if there's any here who do not know you, might they, might they turn and trust the death, the resurrection, and the forever promises that are ours in Christ. Father, for those of us who do know you, Father, would you sink these trees deep in their hearts that they might bear fruit in the year to come. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for this Redemption Sermon. For more resources and information about Redemption Church, visit redemptionokc.com and follow us on social media.